Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us on this Friday morning or Friday afternoon, depending on where you are and when you're watching this. So some of the things that you might want to gather for this session, your, your tea, of course. And if it's available for you, you know, if you have on hand a, a variety of options for your tea, maybe something that is on the lighter side, something that's more like a green or a white tea. Um, if that's gonna make you have to go run and search through your cabinets, that's, don't worry about that. But you know, if it's handy, like uh, this is a, a time of year where we're looking at the new tender growth that is coming from the tea plants, typically green teas, typically white teas. So we start to orient ourselves and our heart towards this, this fresh little tender time of year. And so that could be really helpful to work with that in this practice. Uh, you may also want to adjust your water. If you're you know, starting the process of heating your water now, it, it probably doesn't need to be as hot as we get into these warmer times of year as it does in the winter. So regardless as to whatever type of tea that you're making, maybe just like cool it a few degrees <laughs> will help make the practice the more um, comfortable for you. And just taking a moment to gather what you need, make yourself nice and comfortable, paying attention to where you're sitting in your space and how you're oriented in the space and what would help you feel held and expansive today. You know, I think you can see like a nice little sun patch somewhere in your space, somewhere out on the floor. It's just like this little glowing spot that's calling to you or out on a table or your sofa. Maybe you can be somewhere where you can look out a window that you can hear songbirds. That you could be close to some beautiful plant friends. Be really intentional about where you're coming to your practice because that is your tea room even if it's just temporary for the space that we're together today, that's your tea room. That is your space that you make sacred with your presence and your intention. And once you arrive at this space, let's take a moment to center ourselves in our body, come home to our body. Maybe it's been a few hours or a few days, just kind of depending on how we're feeling this week that we have had a chance to check in with ourselves and just see how we're doing. So to allow ourselves to feel the full weight of the body in a very loving way, not the way that it feels like the body is a heavy burden to carry, not that kind of weight. The weight of substance and meaning of experience and of life, of intention. Allowing this whole of you to be felt on the cushion where you're sitting and to feel 
that being held going all the way through to the earth below that holds you. And in this space, we can close our eyes if that feels like it's going to help us to rest and draw inward, or we can allow the eyes to be open but soft and looking at something in our space that feels particularly comforting. That might be a candle, it might be a plant friend, it might be your tea. We could take time to notice our breathing. We can take time to appreciate the inner quiet. wherever we can find it. Maybe it's just a little space between thoughts, a little space between heartbeats. We can just hear ourselves. And this is the practice that we will continue as we turn our attention in a few moments to our tea, this listening. Today's tea meditation is about the young life that we see reflected in our tea, where that comes from, the importance that it has, and before we open that meditation, I'd actually like to share quote with you that always speaks to me personally when I think about this process of what we see in our tea. This comes from Thich Nhat Hanh. Dash across the meadow, my dear friend, and greet yesterday's child. When you can't see me, you yourself will return. So expanding your awareness to include that which is immediately around you on your tea table, in your tea space, all these loving things that we invite into our practice. Let's turn our attention to our tea. So we can say hello to our tea this morning. 
picking up our tea dish, the tray that holds our leaves, and taking a look at the tea that we are going to practice with today, saying hello to it, putting the fingertips through it, noticing the colors and the shapes, and bringing the tea to our nose, and breathing in and out over the leaves, And what do you notice? Is it something that is new or is it something that is returning to you? Something that you remember? Either about this tea or about another moment in time for you. Without feeling that we have to describe this sensation or the particular quality of the aroma itself, just the feeling of that. Is it something that is already there that you're noticing a returning, or is it something that is new that is arising? And when you're ready, go ahead and serve yourself some of this lovely tea. Take a little pinch, whatever feels like it's good for you today. If you're feeling a little overstimulated, maybe just a few weeks. If you're feeling a little depleted and you need a little bit more being held today, you can put in a few more leaves. It's a beautiful process of just meeting yourself where you're at and understanding what that means. And then we can get our hot water and however you need to move in your space to do that, just taking your time. And once you have your hot water, just very slowly adding the water over the leaves. Trying to see how slow you could possibly go. So we can see through the clear ribbon of the water. And we can see the water slowly and gently filling up the table and making that process of adding water to the leaves as gentle as possible. So it's not a tumble and turning like being lost at sea, it's a, a floating of the leaves. A gentle waking up as if from a dream. And as you look at your tea bowl, what do you see today? More importantly, you might ask yourself, what do you only see today? As in, what is something that you're seeing perhaps for the first time today? Is there something that you haven't seen before? 
in some small way. Maybe it's a particular color. It's somewhere in the folds of the leaves, a particular way that they sink to the bottom, expand like moss. And maybe that moss is a little bit of a different color or texture today. Maybe it's the little bubbles that cling to the leaves or get trapped in the little soft downy hairs on the leaf. What do you see that is arising just today in this version of the conversation with your tea? We can pick up our bowl and we can bring it to our nose and we can breathe our tea. We can give the tea the breath that is our gift and we can accept the gift of the tea's breath in return. And here too, what is arising that you hadn't noticed before? Not in a novelty way, in a way of just really deep understanding and seeing. In tea culture, there is a very noticeable emphasis on seasons. Everything from holidays that mark the passing of seasons throughout the year. For example, in April, we mark this period of before and after the rainy season when we harvest tea. The tea that comes before the rains is the most precious. We mark seasonality with the items that make their appearance in our tea space. Things like cherry blossoms. the specific shape of our tea bowls, the type of tea that is in our bowl today. And all of the seasons are important, the spring and the summer and the autumn and the winter. There is a particular love for spring and tea. If the temperature of your tea is okay, maybe taking a sip of your tea and seeing what is it about spring that comes through for you in this tea. What is it about the beauty of this season? That first sip of your tea, there is 
an immediate freshness. There's a newness to it, like the first experience, the first breath of the new day, right? What is it water inside you as you drink your tea? When do you notice in the body that you are ready for more tea? You are ready to water those spring seeds a little bit more. Whenever that arises, taking that next sip. And in the middle here, there is the water sinking in. There's the tea that is nourishing the soil. It allows little tender leaves to bloom, little things to sprout inside us, moments of inspiration, memories, realizations, a feeling of connection and being soothed and being seen. Maybe we can feel the breath soften. We can feel ourselves sink into the experience a little bit more. Notice what that's like for a few moments as just moving your own time, taking little sips of your tea, and just noticing how the body responds to that little bit of extra rain that comes in. In this third part, as we exhale out, as the tea settles more deeply in the body, this also has a name, English translation, translation of it means like it's described as the comeback taste. It's the sweetness that returns. And not necessarily the same thing as the sweetness that lingers. It is distinctly what returns. When something disappears and then it comes back to you. What is the 
the comeback sweetness in your tea. But do you notice only after you sit with it for a little while and let things get really quiet, what returns to you? The love of spring in particular in tea at first can be seen maybe as something similar to other areas in our life with an emphasis on the glorification of being young, of being new to something, and an understanding that that timeline is linear. You only get to do that once. You move through these young years so fast, and then there's something on the other side of it which is just not as interesting. But tea shows us and teaches us that that's not exactly the whole of the understanding. That we love spring, we love the fresh new tea, we love the symbolism of these things that represent the fleeting nature of this time, like plum blossoms and cherry blossoms in particular. because they allow us to return to ourselves. They allow us to come home. And as you sip your tea and get closer to these leaves at the bottom of the bowl or the middle of the bowl, wherever you're at, notice how this experience, this sensory experience evolves. The sensation in the mouth and in your throat and in your belly your sense of all the parts that make up you. What is arising for you today with your tea that can help you connect with this sense of coming home and the appreciation for this precious time, just after things start to sprout, that there is young life around you, there's a young life within you, that you are a continuation. And hence, we move into our contemplation. I'm feeling free to add more water to our tea if we like, see what else comes to the surface for us. 
I'm thinking about the importance of this reverence for young life. What circles and spirals within ourself do we notice when we connect with those things with inside ourselves and connect that with the world around us? How does it help us to come home? tell you that peonies are my favorite flower and this is a cherry blossom oh it's a knot it's a cherry blossom i was yeah about to get so excited. but they look just like it because when you're up close to them it looks very much like a peony flower. it's a cherry blossom how do you like that i've never seen one in like nature before <laughs> oh thank you thank you for putting that on the altar this morning and into mm -hmm. our shared space uh, um, I will begin today in the way of my elders with sacred scripture. I'm going to read from Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. This is from a chapter called Learning the Grammar of Animacy. And in this moment, she's uh, just had this kind of download, this awakening of the understanding of particular kinds of verbs in Potawatomi in the language that is spoken by the Potawatomi people. This is the grammar of animacy. Imagine seeing your grandmother standing at the stove in her apron and then saying of her, look, it is making soup. It has gray hair. We might snicker at such a mistake, but we also recoil from it. In English, we never refer to a member of our family or indeed to any person as it. That would be a profound act of disrespect. It robs a person of selfhood and kinship, reducing a person to a mere thing. So it is that in Potawatomi and most other indigenous languages, we use the same words to address the living world as we use to address our family, because they are our family. To whom does our language extend the grammar of animacy? Naturally, plants and animals are animate, but as I learn, I am discovering that the Potawatomi understanding of what it means to be animate diverges from the list of attributes of living beings we all learned in Biology 101. In Potawatomi 101, rocks are animate, as are mountains and water and fire and places. 
beings that are imbued with spirit, our sacred medicines, our songs, drums, and even stories are all animate. The list of the inanimate seems to be smaller, filled with objects that are made by people. Of an inanimate being like a table, we say, what is it? And we answer, table it is. But of apple, we must say, who is that being? And we and reply, Mshimin Yahweh, apple, that being is. I've really enjoyed thinking about sapling for the last month. And I, I went for a run yesterday in my neighborhood. And I live in a part of Massachusetts. Well, maybe all of Massachusetts feels this way. I'm not from here, but it feels old <laughs> when you look around at the architectural elements specifically. Uh, they call back for me a time of American history that I did not experience, you know, by a long shot. So I live in a house that might be a hundred years old, maybe, maybe not quite that old, but it looks like it's that old. And a little further away where I was yesterday, there are houses that are easily hundreds of years old, massive, massive old houses um, that I feel like I imagine have been in families for generations and handed down, were handed down from wealthy farmers and landowners and traders of all kinds of people and things in the inception or creation of what we now consider this country and specifically this state. And as I was running, I saw a bunch of dudes who work for the city cutting down this massive tree in someone's yard. And at this point in their labor, most of the upper branches of the tree were gone. And there was this kind of denuded trunk. And I stopped in my tracks and looked at that tree. And, and I don't know anything about trees. I am, I am no kind of tree scientist or a botanist or whatever the words are. And I thought, I really hope that that tree is sick and, and needs to come down the way it is being taken down. I really hope that, that some human isn't annoyed by its presence and so is changing the landscape. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the tree is coming down because the tree needs to come down or if the tree is coming down because people need the tree to come down. And maybe, maybe they are the same. I don't, I, there's so much about this I don't know, but I can say that I was wounded by watching that experience. And I kept running. I, I, I stood there for about 10 seconds and watched and thought and felt. And then I put one foot in front of the other and, and carried on down the street. Spring, it feels like the kind of season where you, I, I, I'm waiting for it and watching for it, where winters feel long and <laughs> brutal or punishing, specifically in Chicago, where many of you, my loved ones are. And then you see like a moment, a, a bud, a shoot, and you're looking closely and you're living your life, but you're also like watching and looking. And then suddenly, pow, like it's everywhere. That is how I experience spring. I feel like I see a small indicator and then a couple of small indicators. And then I can't turn in a full circle without seeing all the things that are growing and burgeoning. And 
I'm supremely grateful for that because I'm an impatient person and I need spring to arrive. And so when it does full throated, I'm like, yes, here you are. Um, and also it, it allows me to believe that that things can grow and that things can change and that good is possible. And, and I think about today, the things that are growing in us. I really appreciate Sue's naming that experience that we can all have of a seed that is planted and the, the way in which we feed and water that seed and what grows and when it is a shoot and when it is like burgeoning and like when you can see it behind our eyes and it comes out of our ears and out of the top of our skull and at our fingertips. Today, I feel also very aware of the saplings that are cut down in our world. My heart is with you, Chicago, as you are reliving the grief of the death of Adam Toledo at the hands of Chicago police and, and with the citizens of Minnesota who are reliving the, their grief at the death of George Floyd and of Dante Wright and how frequently saplings in the forest of people get cut down. And I want to know why saplings get cut down and I don't know why. And I may never know why. And a thought I had as Suze was talking about um, the sweetness that returns to you is that how, how things return in our plant siblings. That is to say how a plant sends, sends its growth down into the earth and then sends its growth up into the, into the sky above the surface, reaching for water and light so it can make sugar and food for itself. And also us, if we are willing to share or not share and just take. Um, and I think about uh, seeds that plants make uh, and the ways in which birds and animals, bipeds, quadrupeds, <laughs> all kinds of animals on earth, at least on, on ground, um, take those seeds and return those seeds to the earth. And the way in which a plant drops its seeds or sends its seeds out on the wind so that they can be returned to the earth. And I pray that as we watch saplings get cut down, that we can pay close attention to the seeds that they drop and the seeds that we drop so that good can continue to grow. Thank you.
Well, thank you so much for joining us in Tea and Contemplation today. And uh, Jess, I wonder if there's anything you'd like to, to share about what you shared or, um, or how folks might uh, be able to find more about your studies and teaching. Thank you, Adam. Um, so as I, as I mentioned, I think I held it up when I did it. I read from a book called Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. And I am, I am new to my understanding, or I am developing and growing my understanding of the natural world and its relationship to the human world and its relationship to spiritual practice. And this text has been invaluable in, in deepening that understanding for me. And I'm taking my time to work through it slowly, which feels like a great gift, particularly at a time in my life when I'm <laughs> taxed with reading hundreds of pages on a weekly basis. So being able to like take my time and walk through it and sit with it and go outside and sit with what's around me outdoors as I hold it is really nice. So if that feels new for you and also useful, pick it up today. Uh, library, bookstore, independent bookstore, however you acquire words into your space. Uh, next week, Friday the 23rd, I have a great fortune of being a panelist that is moderated by my dear colleague at Harvard Divinity School, Natalia Schwein, or Schween, I think is actually how you say her last name, uh, and hosted by the Harvard Museum of Natural History as a part of their week-long programming to celebrate Earth Week. Uh, so on Friday the 23rd from 4 to 5 p.m. we'll be talking about uh, spirituality in the natural world. I and three of my colleagues at HDS will be talking about the ways in which the natural world informs and guides and teaches our spiritual practice as well as our scholarship and ministry. Uh, and so if you're interested in more information about that, I will share it with Adam and Suzette so that they can share it with you and also uh, if you do a, an internet search for the Harvard Natural History Museum Earth Week, I'm sure that lots of language will come up about it as well. Finally, uh, you can find my thinking and reading and writing, as well as my teaching schedule, such as it is right now, uh, at adevotedyogi.com. I am active on, in, uh, on social media, on Facebook, as well as Twitter, and most active on Instagram, and all of those are available at that space, as well as an email address to contact me. Thanks, Jess. Suze? You can find me at uh, beingtea.com. Uh, and my email address is suze at beingtea.com. And we're live here every Friday morning, 8 a.m. Central Time, for Tea and Contemplation. So if you'd like to be in community with your practice, uh, we do a lovely little community sharing at the end of the recording, which happens usually, you know, like the end of uh, after we stop things here, there's a little time for us to all be together. So if that seems like that would be something that would be supportive and helpful for you, you're very welcome to join us for Teen Contemplation sometime.